Hi, it's Sheila from To Love, Honor, and Vacuum, where we like to talk about how to make marriage less of a to-do list and more of a passionate adventure. And today, I'm actually going to get a little bit controversial. I know that that may shock some of you because, wow, it's not like Sheila ever gets controversial. But yeah, we are going to take on this idea that the way to fight a husband's porn use is for the woman to just have more sex. I talked about that in my book, Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage. I talked about how stupid that was in my book, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. I have talked about it a lot, but it seems like many people still don't get it. And this is really, really important for us to get. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome to December as we're getting into the Christmas season. And I hope you will forgive me for not being too Christmassy in this podcast, but sometimes stuff happens and I feel like I need to comment on it right away. So before I get into that too much, I just want to say when I point out stuff that's in the wider Christian world that is kind of off, well, really off, I don't go looking for this stuff. I really don't. I know that I've been really outspoken against love and respect and against every man's battle and uh, against some of the things Focus on the Family has said. I don't go looking for this stuff. I'm too busy. But I get emails from people all the time with all kinds of links of really disturbing things that are being said. And if they're being said by really marginal guys or marginal people like the transformed wife, she did a post recently against me. I don't really care because they're marginal. But when they're being said by mainstream Christian organizations, then I really get concerned and I feel like I have to say something. So here's what happened. A couple of weeks ago, I was sent an email from a woman who said this. I have been skeptical of your criticism towards Focus on the Family lately, but after listening to their latest podcast, I was blown away by their advice and how incredibly dangerous it could be for a marriage. I've walked with my husband through porn recovery, and I would have been devastated to hear the things that they said. My husband even listened in and said I should leave a review as to why it's such bad advice. I get it now, and I am still in shock at the ignorance they have in such a vital area where so many marriages are hurting. It's so sad. So I received that and she sent me a link to the to the uh, Focus on the Family broadcast that she was talking about. And I listened to the whole show and she's right. There's a part of it which is really, really disturbing. And I'll let you listen to the clip right now. Hello, Connor here. I'm just going to start by playing this slightly earlier clip just to provide context for the comment that he makes later on. I'm really saddened by some of the data you had in your book where you talked about uh, 47% of Christians... Christians, people that are mm-hmm. identifying as Christians, say pornography is a major problem in mm-hmm. their home. Uh, that's a shocker. That shocked me. Um, but talk. About- so at this point, the podcast host turns the question to the guest and asks her about her research and her thoughts on this issue before chiming in to give his own thoughts and his own interpretation on it afterwards. The more frequent cycle. I think one of the the reasons men are getting into trouble in this Mm -hmm. area is that that need is not being met. And I know that's dangerous ground. And I know that... So if you'd like to listen to the rest of their podcast for the full context, uh, we'll leave the link in the description and you can go listen to the original on their site. So here's a host of Focus on the Family saying that the reason that men have trouble with porn is because their wives are not having sex with them. And then throughout the rest of the show, they talk more about this. And even though they do say that it's not on the wife, if the husband sins, the way to get the husband to not sin is for the wife to have sex. And that's an extreme misunderstanding 
of the role that porn plays in marriage. And that's what I want to talk about today is I want to go through what happens when someone has a porn habit before they're married and then they get married and what effect that porn habit has on the marriage. I need to tell you first, I used to agree with what Focus on the Family said. See, I got married in 1991 and I was quite young then and a lot of guys used porn back then. I remember I was sitting um, in my office during one of my master's degrees and a young student came in for my advice because her boyfriend used porn and she didn't know what to do about it. She wanted him to stop. And so porn use was common. It's just that it was of the kind that was based in magazines. And so getting married, porn was still in our culture. It was certainly available in all kinds of truck stops and stuff like that. And so when people started talking about porn use and how dangerous porn use was, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, I thought I understood what they were talking about because porn use had certainly been a factor as I was growing up too. And so I would have assumed, yeah, you know, the best way to help a married guy not want to watch porn is just to have a healthy sex life. Like the healthier sex life you have, then the less he's going to want porn. Why would he want an imitation if he can get the real thing? And that's what I thought. But then something interesting started to happen. I started to get emails from women who were saying, hey, I'm 24 years old. We were both virgins when we got married. He's a youth pastor. He really loves God. We've been married for six months. We had sex twice on the honeymoon and we haven't had sex since. And I don't know what to do. Um, And by the way, he watches porn. And that kind of letter kept coming over and over and over again. And I started thinking, man, what is going on? And so in the late 2000s, like, like, you know, 2008, 2009, right as I started blogging, I started reading a ton about the effect of internet porn. And it is so different from the magazines in the shed that kids might have found when they were eight years old back in the 70s or 80s. It is a completely different world. I think what is partly going on with Focus on the Family is a generational thing, is that they are looking at this as if it's the same as what we grew up with, but it is not. And for and this is what they don't understand and what they need to understand and what all of us need to understand is that if you have been married for less than 25 years, then the majority of men who use porn, that porn habit predated the marriage. So they started watching porn before they got married. And they brought that porn habit into their marriage. And that porn habit is very different from the magazine thing because the porn is there at the click of a button. The porn is a lot more explicit, a lot more violent. And there are constantly different images. You're not always masturbating to the same centerfold, okay? There's constantly different images. And that rewires the brain. It changes the sexual arousal function and it changes sexual performance. And I wrote a Twitter thread about this. And then I decided it was important enough to share on the blog. And so I did write a big blog post about this this week. And I would like to comment and elaborate on that blog post and then leave a couple more other thoughts in this podcast. If you want to read the blog post, you can do so. I'm going to leave a link in the description to this podcast because, hey, I always leave more stuff. Uh, there's always extra extras that go along with this. So I'm going to leave a lot more links in the podcast description. So please go take a look there. Um, but let's jump in to what happens when porn use predates the marriage. And just one caveat before we do that, even if he used porn after the marriage started, a lot of these 
effects are going to be there as well. But I just think that the way that Focus on the Family was talking about porn, they weren't taking into account the fact that the vast, vast majority of millennial men who use porn started before they were married. And that's why I'm commenting on it in this way. But I'm not saying that like if he started porn after you were married, that these effects aren't there or that it's not as serious. So I just wanted to make that very clear. So basically, when you grow up with porn, when you start watching porn when you're a teenager, and remember uh, the average first exposure for porn today is around 11 years old. So many people start using porn when they are a young teenager. You know, they get used to dealing with sexual frustration, with stress, with boredom, um, with porn before they're married. And porn often becomes your coping mechanism. Because, you know, masturbation and porn go hand in hand, if, you'll, if you will excuse the, the very bad pun and double entendre there, but masturbation and porn go hand in hand. So when you masturbate, you release a whole series of hormones that make you feel better, and it is a stress reliever. If you start doing that when you were in early, early in your teens, then as you're feeling rejection at school, when you're bored at night, when you're worried about stuff, you're going to want that rush that comes from masturbation. And so you learn that whenever I'm upset, I'm going to masturbate. And that's how you train your body to respond to stress. That's what happens. So maybe this guy who has grown up using porn gets married. Okay. So he's, he's this youth pastor that this woman wrote to me about. And I'm not saying they're all youth pastors. I'm not saying all youth pastors watch porn. I'm just using that as an example because, hey, I get a lot of emails like that. So he grew up watching porn. He hated himself that he watched porn. He didn't want to watch porn. And he genuinely thought that marriage was going to cure him. He genuinely thought that once I get married, I'll be able to quit porn and this won't be an issue and it'll be so much better. So he gets married and, you know, maybe the urge for porn goes away for a while. But when his wife turns him down for the first time, he gets really frustrated and he's used to dealing with this feeling of frustration with pornography. Maybe he doesn't turn to porn right now, but it does build up. And then he maybe feels some stress from work. And again, porn is like a beacon. It's calling to him. It's saying, hey, here's how you can deal with that stress. And so he gets really anxious. He gets very irritable when he's not using porn because when he is bored, when he is worried, when he is stressed, he's used to going to porn. He never learned to ways, proper ways of coping with negative emotions. And so porn became his outlet. And it's very well known in the literature that porn stunts emotional growth. Basically, your emotional growth stops at the point where you start using porn. Because emotional growth is really all about how we learn to handle negative things. It's how we learn to handle obstacles in our lives, how we incorporate stress and boredom and rejection and how we turn those things into into positive things in our lives, how we use boredom to help us find a hobby, to help us be more productive, to help us be more giving, how when we get angry, we learn to handle that anger in a healthy way because we have to work it out with people and we have to work it out in relationships. But when you don't have to work it out, when you don't have to deal with it because you're turning to porn instead, then your emotional growth stalls. And that's why I'll get letters from women who say, you know, I'm 40 years old and I feel like I'm married to a 12 year old because in many ways they are. Be, and, and this isn't a diss on men, okay? I'm not trying to beat up on men. I'm just saying that this is what porn does and we need to be aware of it. Porn stalls emotional growth. And that's also why porn is really heavily implicated in anger. Porn and anger tend to go hand in hand. Again, 
Sorry about the double entendre. And there's two reasons for this. One is that porn trains you to be very self-focused. You watch porn because you want to achieve satisfaction. You're ultimately going to achieve orgasm through masturbation. And so porn becomes all about what I can do for myself to make me feel good. And when you are having these negative emotions in your life, you turn to something which is all about making me feel better. And so you become a very selfish person. And then when other people in your life don't have as their first priority to make you feel better, you get really angry because you've come to feel that you deserve that. There's another aspect in which porn and anger go hand in hand, and it's that when you are used to using porn to help deal with these negative emotions and you aren't able to use porn because you can't get away by yourself, uh, she'll find out, you're trying really hard not to, whatever the reason might be, then you get really irritable because you don't know what to do with this. You get resentful. All you really want to do is just run away, hide in the bathroom and get on the internet. And when you can't, that often exhibits itself in anger. And so here you've got this guy, and, and I'm sorry I'm beating up on guys here. I, I, I'm doing that because Focus on the Family was specifically talking about men's porn use and about the, the gender dynamics in marriage when it comes to porn use. And some of what I'm going to talk about is it relates to sexual function as well. But And, and so that is different between men and women. 30% of porn users, however, are women and women definitely struggle with this as well. And I'll do another podcast soon about women in porn. A lot of what I'm saying here applies to women as well, but not all of it. There's some big differences, especially in the sexual function area, which actually we really do need to talk about because what women struggle with isn't so much bad sexual performance as it is dissociation and an inability to stay present when you're making love. And so that's really worth exploring too. And I do hope to do that in another podcast. So I, I'm not, I'm not saying that women don't use porn. I just want to talk about men's porn use in this particular one, because the dynamics are different. So you have this guy whose emotional growth was stunted when he started using porn as a teenager and who isn't always very good at handling negative emotions and negative feelings. And then he gets married and stress comes up. And so maybe he starts turning to porn again. Now, did the wife cause that porn use? Or was it the fact that he trained himself before marriage to deal with negative feelings with pornography? I'm not saying that every guy who used porn does this, okay? Not every guy who used porn is emotionally stunted. Not at all. But many are. It really depends how um, how big the porn habit was. But for many guys, this is the case. And I'm not saying that you can't get over this either. All right. And we'll talk more about that at the end of this podcast. But that is a real issue is this problem that you turn to porn to deal with negative emotions. We all experience stress and a wife cannot make a husband's life stress-free. So if he is used to managing stress with porn, that is not on her. That predated the marriage. He brought it into the marriage, and that is not on her. Then there's this whole other issue that Focus on the Family has not gotten into at all, which is so important. In pornography, women do not need foreplay. Okay, porn tends to be very violent, very degrading, and very man-centered. So he does something which is what he would enjoy, and porn depicts it as the woman enjoying it too. But that is not what sex is really like. 
Okay, in pornography, women tend to be aroused from men using them, often very roughly and very violently. So what he learns, this is his sex education. He learns that what sex is, is a guy being selfish and using the wife. It isn't a guy taking a long time to make a wife feel good. It's just a guy doing sex and she's supposed to enjoy it that way. That is not biologically the way that men and women work. I did a two-part series on the theology of the penis and the theology of the clitoris, and I'm going to link to those in this podcast description too, because they're really important to understand. But God did not create women's bodies to feel aroused solely through rough and quick vaginal penetration, let alone any other kind of penetration. Okay, that doesn't do it for most women. The reason that we have a clitoris, which is outside the vagina, is because God intended for men to have to spend time warming a woman up. He intended for sex to be a time when when women do get become the main uh, focus for a while, <laughs> where it is really important for him to be giving. And there's lots of other reasons for that, which I talk about in these two posts. But porn teaches you that, no, if you need that, if she needs that, there's something wrong with her, because that's not how women are supposed to respond. And so he's grown up watching porn. He's grown up thinking he knows what sex is. And then they get married. He's extremely selfish in bed. He doesn't know how to warm her up. And she's probably this poor woman who doesn't have a lot of sexual experience either. And so she starts to believe that she doesn't like sex because here they are having sex and she doesn't really like it. Like it does absolutely nothing for her. And so he thinks she's frigid. She thinks she's probably frigid too. And so she stops wanting sex. He gets really upset because she isn't liking the stuff that he thinks that she should like. And they both assume that the problem is with her. And that's, again, not true. This is one of the reasons, by the way, that I wrote another post called We Need a New Definition of Sex. We should not see sex as man puts penis into woman's vagina and moves around until he climaxes. And that's normally how we think about sex. No, making love is the whole picture and it needs to be about both people. That's how God designed it. God even called it this ultimate knowing of one another, where you're vulnerable towards one another, where you're giving towards one another. It's not a taking. It's not a dominating. It's it's two people being intimate. Porn takes all of the intimacy out of it. And so here are these two people where she doesn't enjoy sex. They both think she's frigid. And so he's turning to porn. Again, that is not on her. That is because his idea of of sex was warped to begin with. You know, guys who don't use porn or who have dealt with their porn issue before they get married can actually learn to be very, very giving lovers. But guys who do use porn can often be very, very selfish. And again, research has has shown this over and over again. And I'll link to my post on the top 10 effects of porn on your marriage and your sex life and your brain is that porn makes men terrible lovers. Um, there were some great comments in the comment section, and I encourage you to read those too on the post this week, where, where uh, one woman in particular was talking about her own journey and how her husband never realized he was selfish because he never knew anything different because this is what he grew up with. And she never knew anything different either because she was a virgin getting married. So imagine that you're that woman and you're hearing this focus on the family broadcast where you're told that if you just have more sex, he won't watch porn. And sex is something that's awful and it feels degrading and it doesn't feel good to you. Like imagine just how demoralizing that message is. We need to talk about this in a different way. And then there's 
there's even the more sinister side of this whole thing. And this is where I want to get into the difference between the magazine porn that we grew up with, or that I grew up with, my generation, Generation X grew up with, and internet porn, which millennials and Generation Z are growing up with. And that's that porn use rewires the brain so that what becomes sexually arousing is an image and not a person. And that was true regardless with all types of porn. But now with internet porn, it goes even further because today what porn use does is it trains the brain to crave different. The same stimulus cannot provide the same level of arousal. And so men can't maintain interest in their wives. See, before porn use was widespread, like let's talk about 1980. If you look at the stats, um, about 15% of marriages, the wife had the higher sex drive. When I did my surveys for the Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex back in 2010, the figure was about 24%. So it was already rising. And today, the figures that I've seen are close to 30%. So that's an increase. That's a 100% increase in marriages where the woman has the higher sex drive. Now, there is nothing wrong with being a higher drive wife, okay? Some women just have naturally higher drives and some men just have naturally lower drives. But if that was true, if it was simply based on biology, then we should still be at around the 15% mark, but we're not. And what has changed? Pornography. Pornography steals libido from men. Because he always needs different, he has to see different women doing different and often more extreme things to get aroused. So the wife may be more than willing to have sex. She might actually really want to have sex, but instead he masturbates to porn or he masturbates in the shower because that's what he's used to. Many porn users too experience a lot of sexual dysfunction. Okay, the majority of new cases of erectile dysfunction are actually of men under the age of 40. It's almost all porn-induced erectile dysfunction or PIED, P-I-E-D. Porn use is also heavily implicated in premature ejaculation and delayed ejaculation. So you've got a whole ton of sexual dysfunction going on here. You've got lower libido where guys don't even want sex. When they do have sex, they've got major sexual issues. And then you say to a woman, well, if you just had sex, he wouldn't watch porn. Like, how terrible a message is that? We really need to understand what's going on in these marriages and deal with it. Having sex more, that's just not the reality. That's not going to fix anything. That's not what they're dealing with. That doesn't even begin to approach all the problems that women are having with sex because of men's porn use. Like the fact that he's a selfish lover, the fact that sex isn't working, the fact that he never even wants it. So we've got to get real about what porn does. And then one final thing, and this one's really sad to me. The whole point of sex is that It's intimate on many levels. It's physically intimate, yes, and sex is supposed to feel physically amazing, but it's also emotionally and spiritually intimate. It's that feeling like you're truly one. We hear in the Old Testament, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, you know, Genesis 4, where uh, the King James Version said, and Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived unto them a son. And we all might laugh at that and think it's funny because God didn't use the real word for sex, but actually maybe God did. Because that word to know is the same word that David uses in the Psalms when he says, search me and know me, O God. You know, know me inside out. You know my going out and my coming in. You know everything about me. 
that was the same word. And I think the reason that God used it in Genesis, the reason that, that God inspired Moses to put it down there is because sex is supposed to be this ultimate knowing. That's what it was designed to be, is that we feel so close. And yet what does pornography do? Pornography means that in order to get aroused, because his sexual arousal function is so focused on an image and not a person, that in order to get aroused, he has to depersonalize. He has to distance himself emotionally. He has to see her as an object. Okay, intimacy is no longer arousing. A relationship is no longer arousing. A person is no longer arousing. Just the image is arousing. And so you've wrecked the whole intimacy aspect of sex. It's completely stolen from it. And so here's a woman who desperately wants to connect with her husband, who desperately wants to make love, not just have have sex and he isn't even capable of it. It doesn't even compute in his mind because he has trained himself to think of sex as something which is depersonal or to experience sex like that. Again, I am not saying that everybody who has ever used porn is is completely like this, but I am saying that a really bad habit done over years, that is the effect of it. And even living in our pornographic culture, we can imbue a lot of this stuff into ourselves and it can really affect our sexuality. And we need to take a look at what God intended sex to be and differentiate it from pornography. And that's the point, is that we need to see sex in a completely different way. If we want to truly have a God-ordained sex life in our marriage, we need to see it as being intimacy-based. And what porn does is it robs us of it. So when Focus on the Family says the way to fix a guy's temptation from watching porn is to have sex, they're missing the whole point. It's not about just having sex. It's about rethinking sex, re-experiencing sex, retraining your brain so that it's a about intimacy. It's not about an image or a fantasy. So picture this woman who's in the middle of this marriage and maybe she's been married for four years and she's got a little kid and she has no libido because sex has never felt really good. And she yearns to really want sex. She yearns to feel good, but she doesn't even know how to get there because whenever they're having sex, she feels used. She feels like a receptacle. She feels like she doesn't even matter. And for some reason, which she can't quite name, after sex, she wants to cry and she wants to go into a hole and hide. And it just feels awful to her. And she can't figure out what is going on. And then she finds out that her husband is using porn and she's devastated by that too. And then she listens to this show on Focus on the Family and she hears that the reason that her husband is using porn is because she isn't having sex enough. How is she going to feel? And shouldn't that matter? And what I don't understand is why doesn't Focus on the Family understand this? I didn't understand it at first. You know, when I first started writing um, and speaking way back 2005, 2006, 2007, I didn't get this at first because I grew up in a different era. But then when the emails started and I started to listen and I started to read, I realized it. And that's the key. You've got to listen. When people are telling you that what you're saying is wrong, you've got to listen and you've got to educate yourself. You can't think that you just know everything <laughs> when life is changing and the generations are changing. You know, there's so much research out there. When my husband was in medical school, and this would have been back in the 90s, he was taught that if 
if a couple comes into your office and they're having issues with sex, you should tell them to watch pornography so that they can get all hot and spicy for each other. Medical schools don't tend to recommend that anymore. And why is that? Because so much research has come out on how terrible porn is that people are realizing this is not a good idea. As well, we understand how implicated pornography is in sex trafficking and in abuse. The research is there. Secular people even get this. Um, So it just really, really wounds me and worries me that Focus on the Family doesn't. And I would encourage them to issue a retraction of this broadcast, to take the broadcast down, and to apologize to the women who listened, because that what they said was irresponsible and very, very hurtful. Sometimes Christians think that we don't need to listen to secular research because we have all the answers because you can just look at a Bible verse. And there is that Bible verse in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, which says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And Rebecca and I, my daughter Rebecca and I were talking about this. What she said is that often we focus on that verse and we focus on that last bit so that you may not be tempted because of your lack of self-control. And we think that, well, if you just read that verse, it's quite obvious that you need to provide sex to stop the other person from being tempted. And then we stop thinking. We think, therefore, that's the answer. So that's what we need to be telling everybody because that's what the Bible says. But that's not what the Bible says. Okay, because in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, so this is only three chapters away, the same person, the Apostle Paul writes this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Temptation is not an excuse. There is always a way out of temptation. And so to lay the blame at women's feet is just not a biblical way of looking at it. Jesus himself laid the blame for lust at men's feet. And and we can say, oh yeah, well, and, and what Focus on the Family was saying, well, yeah, like the guy is still responsible for sinning, but she could make it so much easier on the poor guy. Doesn't she want to make it easier on the poor guy? Well, that's not what's going on here. Sexual temptation is different from sexual addiction. So having sex makes it easier for a spouse to maybe withstand, let's say, emotional affairs with someone or watching something they shouldn't, you know, because you feel emotionally bonded to your spouse. You've got the oxytocin release. Your sexual frustration is taken care of. So yeah, it helps prevent those other sins. But If it's already a deep-seated issue predating the relationship, that's an entirely different thing. And that's not what Paul is talking about here. Then it's, it's not that we're not introducing the temptation by offering frequent sex. It's that we're trying to numb it without dealing with the root cause. And the Bible always tells us to deal with the root cause. That verse in 1 Corinthians is do not deprive each other so that when new situations arise, it's easier to say no. Absolutely. That's how we help um, each other deal with temptation. That's just being kind to one another. But it's not saying do not deprive each other so that your spouse doesn't have to deal with their addiction or their bad habit. Um, That's a very different thing. We need to get this clear. And it's not just focus on the family that does this, by the way. I'm picking on them right now because this was a recent broadcast and it was brought to my attention. But there's so much other Christian literature that says the same thing. 
There's the uh, the book Every Heart Restored, for instance, which is part of the Every Man's Battle series. Uh, it's written for wives of guys who are getting over porn addictions. And it just made such a big issue about how you need to have sex a lot so that he can he won't be tempted anymore and so that he can fight this addiction. And you don't understand how, how you're important in him fighting the addiction. And what it never addressed was how empty the woman can feel when he has to depersonalize to have sex with her or how terrible sex is when he doesn't even understand that foreplay is a thing <laughs> or how to deal with the fact that he might have sexual dysfunction or even the fact that we're telling a woman you need to have sex with him so that he won't lust after another woman. That's not sex being about him knowing you and about sex being an intimate thing. It literally is, you need to let yourself be treated like a receptacle so that he doesn't go and sin. We need to have a much higher view of sex and a much higher view of marriage. Yes, having frequent sex can help people from, from sinning. But no, having frequent sex is not going to cure a porn habit and it is not going to reverse the effects of that porn habit. And those effects need to be dealt with before we just tell couples to have more sex. Those effects matter and you need to reframe the brain. And to do that, I just want to read a reader question which came up in the comments of that post. And I'll just end the podcast dealing briefly with this reader question. But she says, how long should a man be sober from porn and accountable or open enough to get married? I'm dating a guy who has been um, porn free for four years and he does talk with an accountability partner about it. He has endured extreme stress without going back to porn and he's always willing to talk to me about how he's doing in that area. But all I have to work on is his word. He's a computer genius and he can get around the filters. A professional counselor told me that his willingness and honesty are most important and I do feel like he's trustworthy but reading these articles scares me and I don't see a lot of hope. So I just want to tell you, yeah, there is hope. And I'm not trying to make this podcast into something which isn't hopeful, which is why I want to end on this note, because this is really important. Porn does mess up the brain. Porn messes up our sexual response. Porn messes up our sexual arousal function. Absolutely. But God is the God who redeems and you are not stuck there. And when we are humble before God, when we acknowledge what is wrong, we have the power of the Holy Spirit who can reform us from the inside out. And he really can help men reclaim what is truly intimate. The answer, I think, to these kinds of things is that you have to be willing to talk about more than just quitting the porn. You have to be willing to talk about how we go back to first principles with sex and how we rebuild his sexual expectations and his sexual response cycle. And if he's willing to do that, if he's willing to talk about it, and if he's got accountability and he's being honest, then that is a great thing. As long as he's proven that over some time, four years, definitely that's a lot of time. You know, I'd say six months, a year, whatever is good. But I also want to give a plug here for my honeymoon course. Rebecca and I created it. It's a course that couples can take together before they're married to have some of these hard conversations. And I, I do talk really bluntly about pornography in that. And I talk about how together you can have healthy conversations about sex that aren't going to cross a line before you're married. Okay. 
but so that you can have the proper expectations and how you can make a plan so that once you are married, this stuff is gonna be dealt with and we're gonna make sure that sex stays on the intimate level. If you're thinking about getting married soon, pick up the honeymoon course before you do get married. It also makes a wonderful gift, even a Christmas gift for anyone in your family or your friend group or your church who is about to get married to encourage these really important conversations and expectations of what the honeymoon's gonna be like, what sex is gonna be like on the honeymoon, even how to just make your honeymoon great in other ways. So take a look at that. It was made specifically thinking about Generation Z and millennials who are getting married and a lot of the stuff that they've dealt with growing up and how we can make sure that we don't carry a lot of that negative stuff into the marriage and how we have good expectations and start well. And I think that it is very hopeful because we don't need to be caught here. Yeah, this stuff is destructive, but it doesn't need to define us. And God is bigger than pornography. And God can change us when we are willing to look and see how much porn has affected us. God doesn't just heal us when we aren't willing to be honest, but when we are honest about the damage that's been done, God is the God of reconciliation. And Jesus nailed all of that to the cross and he wants to help renew all of us. Um, the wives who are broken, the women who are addicted to porn, and the men who are addicted to porn as well. So why don't organizations get it? I mean, part of it, I think, is that there's a lot of gendered advice out there. Christians tend to deal in stereotypes because we think that the Bible does when really it doesn't. You know, but part of that gendered stuff goes like this. Men want sex and women don't which isn't true, by the way. <laughs> Most women do want sex as well. And there is a high percentage of men that don't want sex. So it, it, that's not true. Uh, but then there's this other bit, men naturally lust. Okay, all men lust. And if you believe that, then yeah, all men may lust, but it can't really be that bad. Because if all men lust, then, well, that must be the way they're created. And so they can't really help it. And so if men can't help it, then the burden falls to women who are able to maintain self-control since they don't really want sex. So then somehow women become responsible for men's sex drives. And that's really what's happening when it comes to the sex conversation. You saw it in Love and Respect. You see it in what Focus on the Family said in this broadcast. Uh, you see it in the Every Man's Battle series. You see it all over the place. And it just needs to stop. And so I just want to say, you know, women, you don't need to stand for it. Remember the story of the emperor's new clothes? I love that story. And it's told in many different ways. But, you know, basically, there's this emperor, and he's very vain. And uh, this tailor comes from a faraway land and says, I'm going to make you some new clothes, and they're going to be lovely. And he puts them on the emperor, and he tells them how great they look, but the emperor doesn't see them, um, because they're not really there. But the tailor tells him how amazing he looks, and everyone tells him how amazing he looks, and he just is vain, and so he thinks he must look amazing, and he just can't see the clothes for some reason. And so the whole kingdom is called to come and watch this emperor as he models his new clothes, and he goes out, and everybody, everybody is clapping, because they're supposed to do that for the emperor, and a little boy speaks up and says, the emperor has no clothes on. And then because that little boy spoke up, everybody was able to say, yeah, the emperor has no clothes on because they were all thinking it too. But everyone thought I'm the only one who sees that because everyone around me is clapping and the emperor is strutting around like he's got these amazing clothes on. So the problem must be with me. And I guess I just increasingly am feeling like God is calling me to be that little boy who yells the emperor has no clothes on so that I free up other people to stop clapping and to say, yeah, the emperor's got no clothes on and this is wrong. And so let's get back to the Bible 
let's get back to the heart of Jesus for intimacy in marriage. And let's not talk about this really weird gendered stuff that is so off. I hope that the more that I speak out, the more other people will also start speaking out and the more ministries like this won't be able to get away with giving that kind of advice because it is really dangerous. So thank you for joining me at To Love, Honor, and Vacuum uh, for the podcast, but please also visit me on my blog. I am going to have some more links uh, in the podcast post that goes along with this podcast to some of the other things I've written about porn recovery, the effects of porn, and what sex is really supposed to be, and for the honeymoon course so that you can take a look at that too. Remember as you are getting all your Christmas shopping done that it is so much easier to prevent a porn problem than to heal one afterwards. Please help prevent porn problems in your kids. Take a look at Covenant Eyes get filters on your computer. It's really important. You can get Covenant Eyes free for a month. Just try it out using the coupon code TLHV for to love, honor, and vacuum. TLHV, just go to covenanteyes.com. But let's get filters. Let's protect our kids so that in 15, 20 years, our kids are not going through this, but they can have marriages the way that God intended as well. 